0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are good, you are loving, and you call us your children. And Lord, your spirit in us confirms that we are indeed children of God. And so we open up our hearts and our minds this morning to be touched by your word, knowing with confidence that your word goes out and it does not return without doing what your purpose is for it. So Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're continuing our series working through the book of Romans that we're calling Living with the Spirit's Presence. And we're seeing here in the letter to the Romans the implications that being filled with the Holy Spirit have for God's people. That we live a way of life, not by the law, but by the Holy Spirit. That we have a new identity, not based on what we've done, but grounded on the firm foundation of what Christ has done for us. And today we continue in this series. And we come to a passage today that much like Pastor Jim looked at last week explores questions of identity. Who am I? Who is God? And why does it matter? And I love what Pastor Jim shared last week, this beautiful gospel message that through Christ our identity isn't I am a sinner but that as we look at our sin, as we examine the own sinfulness in our own lives, it reminds us of our true identity in Christ, which is, I am forgiven. And today, our text builds on that. Romans 8 says this, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received is the spirit of adoption to sonship, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You are not a slave to fear in this life. You're a child of God. A simple message, but a powerful one. So let's jump in. Verse 15 says this, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. And that word again, right there, it suggests to the original audience and to us that the life before or without Christ is a life that is governed by fear. And I think that is a profoundly true statement. As we look around at the world that we live in, we see so much fear. And for us, even as we live in Christ, the challenge is that old habits can die hard. Sometimes that slave-to-fear mentality stays long past its welcome. During Lent this year, uh, during our Lenten services, we had people share testimonies from their own personal lives of what God has done uh, in their lives, And in one of those testimonies, uh, someone shared a thought that has stuck with me uh, ever since. He said this, It took 40 days to get God's people out of Egypt, but 40 years to get Egypt out of God's people. They had been delivered from slavery to sin in Egypt. Egypt. And yet it took 40 years of wilderness to prepare that people for the promised land, to live not as slaves, but as the free and unburdened and deeply loved children of God. Though we are children of God, the ways of the world can linger in our lives. And we live in a culture that in many ways is governed and driven by fear. It motivates the choices that many people make. We make decisions based on the fear of what other people might think of us, that we may say the right things and not the wrong ones, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of loss, the fear of missing out on something better, the fear of death and judgment. All of these things impact the ways that people live their lives. And I want you to think for a second here today. And you can even write it down if you want. Where is fear exercising control in your life? Let that question sit for a second. Now, I wanna take a detour. and I'm gonna talk about biology a little bit. We'll get back to it. But We're gonna talk biology for a second, and in particular, animal defense mechanisms. Seems like a, as good of a time as any, right? <laughs> now, you're probably aware of this idea, even if you don't know it by name, uh, of something called a display. It's something you see in animals like a, like a poison dart frog or the blue ringed octopus. It's bright, intense, flamboyant colors in animals uh, that s- suggest uh, by making them stick out from their environment. It suggests I am poisonous. I am dangerous. Do not come near me. I don't even need to hide because I am such a problem for you that look at me, stay away. It's an aposematic display. It's called aposmatism, and it's to say, look out because I am actually dangerous, so much so that I have no need to move around in secret. Now, there's something else that occurs in nature. It's very similar uh, in some ways, but it is substantially different in others. And this is called a dematic display. They're similar at face value flashy displays and gestures with the intent of communicating the message, I am scary and dangerous. Like this guy right here. That nice, intense, toothy lizard, right? You see his eyes there and that uh, menacing, toothy grin. Uh, Or is it? Let's zoom in a little bit. There's the head of the dead leaf mantis. Pretending to look like this big, scary lizard to say, stay away from me, predators. I am scary. He's even got those little fake eyes, that nasty little toothy grin, uh, this behavior pattern that is meant to scare away predators that he is actually completely powerless against. So, Pastor Joe, why the biology lesson? You see, the power that fear holds in the Christian life is false power. It's a dematic display. A fake, intimidating, toothy grin. Scary and startling, but in reality it is toothless and weak. No real problem for the Christian at all. Fear has no power over you because your heavenly father loves you with a perfect love. And that love drives out all fear. So I'm going to say with confidence today that you have not received a spirit of fear. But rather, by faith in Christ, a different kind of spirit is already yours. It's already in you. Not the spirit of fear that exercises ruthless control over people's lives, waving scarcity, rejection, and failure in your face. But rather, the spirit we received brought about your sonship Uh, your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You've received the Spirit not of fear, but of God's power. And the Spirit of sonship. The Spirit which Romans 8.11 says is the very power that raised Christ from the dead alive and at work in your life. And this spirit confirms that you are a child of God. So what does it mean to be a child of God? You've received the spirit of adoption, of sonship to the creator of the universe, the king of all creation. And the spirit of fear has no jurisdiction in the household of God. It's kind of like this. In 1961, John F. Kennedy was elected the 35th President of the United States. And at the time he took office, he had an eight-week-old son named John Jr., uh, you know, sort of affectionately known as John John. I love that. <laughs> uh, and he spent, John John spent most of his first three years of life living in the White House, uh, and he was sort of known for having a bit of free reign, In Daddy's office. You can see he is there, crouched underneath the desk in the Oval Office as Dad worked. I love this picture. You see, you don't get to do this unless Daddy is president, right? (laughs) JFK was the president of every American, but only the children get to crawl under the desk in the Oval Office. It's intimacy. It's love. It's relationship. I think a lot of Christians have an easy time thinking of God as king. He's strong. He's mighty. He lays down the law. He's in charge. but he can also, we can also conceive of the king as sort of far away, of somewhere else. He's ruling on a throne somewhere, but he's not close. And I think sometimes we have a harder time thinking of God as Father. That he loves us with an unconditional love. That our shortcomings and failings do not diminish his love for us, that he knows us and wants to be known by us. And that because of Christ, we can, as Hebrews 4.16 says, uh, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I love this picture of John Jr. because it reminds me that God is both my king and my father that I can approach him with confidence and without fear because he loves me. And he's my heavenly father, my Abba. And he's yours too. The spirit that is in you is not the spirit of fear. You might have fear sometimes, but that's not who you are. You can have confidence because who you are is a child of God and an heir of the kingdom. And because this is true, fear does not have to direct or lead your life. You can trust that even in the face of fear, in the face of the unknown, that you are not alone because the spirit of God is in you. Fear has false power. It's a dematic display, but the Spirit of God has real power. It's the power to lead, the power to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us when we suffer, to work miracles. It is the deposit that God has given us that reminds us that our eternity is firm and secure in the hands of a strong and loving Father. It is the power that brings the dead back to life. And if you are a child of God, then that is the spirit that is in you. You're not the passenger in a car driven by fear, but of one driven by the Holy Spirit. And so you don't need to live with a scarcity mindset that's afraid that there's not enough to go around. And I better cling to what I have because what if I lose it? Because in the kingdom of God, and as his heir, there is always enough at his table. You don't have to fear the rejection of others. Not because it doesn't happen sometimes. Rejection is real. But because you can know that you have already been accepted by the Heavenly Father. And you don't need to fear the end because according to the promises of God, it is just the beginning of something even greater. So let's come back to the question I asked earlier. Child of God, are there things in your life today that are being led by fear rather than the Holy Spirit? Surrender them to God to your Abba. He cares for you. He loves you and he is mighty to save. Lay them at his feet. Ask him to lead you and guide you in them. Say, Heavenly Father, what would you have me do? You may be clinging to control, guided by fear, and he wants you to let go and trust him. You may be holding back your words for fear of rejection, and he says, trust me and I will give you the words to say. You may be clinging to the past, and he is saying, trust that I have something better for you in the future. And here's what I've found in my life when I do. When I lay down those situations that are governed by fear, Here's what I've seen. When I ask God to guide my life, to lead me by his spirit, he does it because he promised he would do it. When you say, God, what is it that you have for me today? What is it you want me to let go of so I can take hold of something better? What is your Holy Spirit up to in my life and in this moment? You know what the answer often seems to be? Come and see. So children of God, do not be afraid to come and see what your heavenly Father can do in and through you as you are led by his Spirit. Amen. Please stand as we sing.